All right, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ian. And today's episode, as you guys have already read the title, do another issue of Marvel's What If. I looked up a lot of the Elseworld stories, and I thought about doing, you know, Gotham by Gatla or Gotham by Gaslight, or doing Batman Dracula, doing one of those. But ultimately, there really weren't a lot of Elseworld stories that stories that weren't Batman. So I figured to myself, why don't I just stick with the Marvel What If? I will, preferably that just makes more sense. Kind of just to play it out, give you guys kind of old continuity of Marvel. And kind of just play it out from there. And uh, today's issue I actually wanted to talk about was, eh, I don't know, was pretty much what if Gwen Stacy lived? What if Spider-Man, instead of the death of Gwen Stacy, which was monumental, I think was on issues, i trying to remember what issues it was on, I think it was issues 121 and 122? Because I actually, before I decided to uh, do this episode or podcast, I figured I would read the original two issues that took place in, and then after I read the what if. Because I think everybody knows of the, the death of Gwen Stacy, just because it's such an iconic moment in Spider-Man. But they don't fully know the, guess best way to put it, the context that plays in. Yep, so it's issues 121 and 122. And... To kind of just set it up is the what if story starts with Peter Parker. He's on the he's on the bridge and he's just thinking about Gwen, thinking about really truly just how he failed. You know he he truly he let her die, and he can't blame the Green Goblin fully. He blames himself because he feels as though if he was a little. If she had just had strength, if he hadn't let herself get in there, if he had stopped Green Goblin, you know, sooner, if he'd done more, he could have changed it. And ultimately, it's what really and truly, you know, messed him up in regards to, and that's what the What If story starts off with. And starts off with him just kind of just thinking about it. Then, of course, you get the classic Uatu the Watcher. He pops up and he's talking about, you know, he sees what's going on with Peter. And how Peter really is just down on his luck. He goes, he doesn't know if if maybe if Gwen Stacy had lived, if it would have been good or bad for him. And it goes pretty much about the same. Pretty much the original story still goes about the same. Harry Osborne during this time, he had uh he was addicted to LSD. He was into drugs. And that was a major play from issues 97 to 99 of The Amazing Spider-Man. And that was some monumental issues because it was, in a lot of ways, Marvel trying to address ongoing issues that were going on in society. They were like, hey, let's do some anti-drug issues. Let's, you know, really make these stories real. Let's make some great stories. And they really pushed the boundaries of what really, you know, comic books could be. And a lot of people, you know, in all intents and purposes, like, it 
really showed how good stories could be. Particularly when they're written by, you know, great writers. Now, at this point, The Death of Gwen Stacy is not written by Stan Lee. It is written by Jerry Conway, yet Gil Kane, and then you had John Romita Jr. And you had just those three, in a lot of ways, were, you know, really, like, the guys that really, after Stanley left, really changed the title. Now, this is particularly taking place for the death of Gwen Stacy, kind of leading up to it. Just to kind of give you guys backstory before I kind of go and diverge into how the What If story differed, giving you guys setup. Harry's had a relapse. He uh, pretty much, previous issue before, on issue 120, he pretty much he ended up doing LSD, he ended up going into a drug vendor, and Norman, of course, you know, he just. He had gone crazy. He didn't know how to handle his son. You know, he's worried about his own son's health. And the previous battle Norman had had with Spider-Man, he had re- he knew of Spider-Man's real identity. But after being defeated, he repressed it. So he repressed any knowledge that Green Goblin had. And it was something that's kind of played into within the Spider-Man Green Goblin, like being the fiercest foes of each other, kind of into their their story. Throughout the years. I mean even up to the last. Giant. You know Spider-Man Green Goblin fight. Which was. Perhaps the end of Dan Slott's run. Where Peter Parker. Peter Parker Spider-Man has to go against. The Red Goblin. Which is essentially the Green Goblin. And the Carnage Symbiote. Together. And I mean he. Arcs. The final chapter is pretty much called. I say the final volume is called. Going Down Swinging. And I mean he literally. I mean, they go out. They're, I mean, they're going for everything. And, I mean, Norman's going for everything he can at this. But with this story, Norman slowly over it, they let it kind of build in a lot of ways to where everything that Norman, you know, Nor- you know, his business is failing. He's having people sue him. You know, then all of a sudden it just happens that his son is addicted to drugs and all slowly drives him crazy. And he's blaming... Peter, he's blaming Gwen Stacy, who's the girlfriend of Peter at the time, and he's blaming Mary Jane. He's blaming all the people that are around Harry, because Peter and Harry are living together. He's like, they should be taking care of him. They should be helping him out, too. They should be preventing him. I can't always be around. I'm an, My son's an adult, but I worry about him, but he's just, Norman has all this stuff in, and it slowly takes over him. And to me, the best image is when you're just seeing Norman Osborn's head just going crazy and remembering everything. You're having J. Jonah Jameson's face pop up, Peter Parker. He's blaming everybody but himself. And he decides, I'm going after Peter. I'm going to take it to Spider-Man. It's his fault that my son went back and did drugs again. It's his fault. It's his fault. It's his fault. And goes after him. And pretty much when he goes to find Peter at... Harry and Peter's apartment, he finds Gwen Stacy. And you just get this image of Green Goblin in the background and Gwen Stacy in there. Now, for most of you who are kind of curious, everyone always assumes that Mary Jane Watson is perhaps the first love of Peter Parker's life. And I mean, you could argue it, but in continuity, it's not that true. Realistically, the first real love of Peter Parker's life was actually Gwen Stacy. 
they met in college, and ultimately, she was the first one that really, in a lot of ways, gave Peter the time of day. She wanted to, you know, be a better student, and Peter liked her, and they slowly, you know, began a natural relationship. Peter, you know, slowly grew more mature, grew more handsome in college. And in a lot of ways, a lot of guys during that time, you know, you're going from high school to college, you're seeing the change in yourself. A lot of people, including my dad, when he was reading the books, he could understand, you know, the change. Because at that time, that was his favorite Spider-Man. He loved from, if you put it, I think it's issues 31 going on was his Spider-Man. Because that was his favorite. He read all, you know, Amazing Fans. He read all the early stories. But he always felt as though Spider-Man got better from issues 31 and on. Because at that point, he's no longer a high school kid. He's a, a college student. He's trying to figure out his life. He's, you know, you could recognize him better. And you could tell that Stanley and other writers, when they were able to really mess with him and play in the sandbox as Spider-Man... They really were able to develop great stories with that. And with that being said, that's where my dad really got into his Spider-Man groove. And that's ultimately where, in a lot of ways, Marvel's kept Spider-Man. They never really aged him up. He's always been in this 20, he's always been in his 20s. He never really goes too young. He never gets too old. And unfortunately, that's kind of the problem with the character. At that point, and that's something that I will dissect later on in another podcast when I talk about realistically kind of just letting characters grow, grow older, and letting age happen in comic books. I'll probably do that podcast at some time, but it kind of gives you guys context and kind of give you guys thinking like, yeah, you're right, realistically, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, they don't really age. And unfortunately, it kind of hurts a lot of the stories and a lot of the writers. Because how many times can you tell about tell a story about a Spider-Man who is, in all intents and purposes, you know, still trying to get his college degree, still trying to, you know, do this and that, and realistically not, you know, not retell the same thing. And that's really and truly where it kind of gets stuck. At least for Spider-Man, at least in my opinion. But that's also where his best stories have come out of. And a lot of people to this day, it's it's the double-edged sword. For as great as they made him during that time, he's never been able to age past it. And like I said, I'll talk more about that on another podcast. So, you've gone up, you have... Now Peter Parker's a college student, you know, he's... Found his first love in Gwen Stacy. You know, he's dealt with the fact that he's blamed himself because Gwen Stacy's dad, if you guys remember the Amazing Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield, similar thing happened, but instead of the wizard killing off Captain Stacy, Captain Stacy risked his life and ended up dying to save a child. Spider-Man was blamed for it, and Peter blamed himself. And it was really, in a lot of ways, just disheartening. For him. And also weighs on his mind. And that plays into the what if issue as well. So to get back to it. You all of a sudden. Peter goes in to go find Gwen. Because he's like I haven't seen Gwen. He's like I've been in Canada. I've been under the weather. 
you know, he's like, I think I got this sort of flu. He's not fighting the best. He'd seen a couple issues beforehand. He'd been off in Canada. He was dealing with the Hulk. He was helping out in there, getting photos, you know, kind of getting to experience life a little bit. Something different than the normal New York wall crawler that everyone's used to. And all of a sudden, this happens. He goes to find Gwen. He goes to their apartment. He sees the handbag that he bought Gwen, and he sees a pumpkin bomb on top. No, doesn't have a bomb or anything like on it, but he just he knows Green Goblin has her. He ends up crawling around looking for her. He ends up finding her on the George Washington Bridge, which lines up. He, he used the quote of, he's, of course, you know, Norman Osborn is at his favorite president's bridge, the George Washington Bridge, because he loves dollar bills. Because he's obsessed with money. And, you know, Goblin's getting the better of him. And, but Spider-Man's like, I, I don't have much left. He's like, I'm already weak. I'm already exhausted. He's like, I want to be in bed. I'm ar-, He's already been irritated because beforehand he visited Robbie Robertson and J.J. Jameson. He's, they know he's sick. He's trying to get money. He's trying to get paid. And, of course, he doesn't really have all the time in the world to go in and, you know, be the usual wisecracker he wants to be. You can't just take small digs at people right now. He just wants to go home and get paid. So he goes from there, and he, he goes, i got to hit Goblin with everything I have, and i got to get Gwen out of there. He's like, I, I have no choice left. And he, sums up, he ends up pretty much launching himself, and with all his power, he can muster up. Just hits Goblin hard. And it's able to knock Goblin off for a little bit, just enough for Peter to get over towards Gwen, and before, before he can really get and get himself in that moment. Green Goblin knocks Gwen off of the bridge. Peter, in that instance, shoots his web because he doesn't think he's fast enough to jump down there. Webs up her leg. Apparently, next thing he knows, all you hear is this. You hear the whip of the web, and then you hear us, and on the page you see is a snap. And Perch, Peter's saying, like, oh, thank God, I'm the best hero. I've saved her, you know, all this and that. And pulls her up, and all of a sudden he recognizes, he's like, Gwen? Gwen, he realizes, Gwen died. She snapped her neck, and from that fall, she ended up having a heart attack, which is later retconned in to go with it, but she had a heart attack from the height, plus her neck snapped. So she she was dead regardless. And Peter is just distraught. And his only thing he has on his mind is he's going to take it to Green Goblin. And he's like, I promise you, you're going to pay. And he starts going. And that's how issue 121 ends. 122 starts him and Green Goblin there about to go down. Green Goblin still, you know, in a lot of ways just taunting him saying oh wow there's no way she would have lived anyways she would have died from that height i made sure of it she was going to die regardless that's why i did it so i think he's bragging and peter just goes you know what i've had enough and just starts letting it go just goes at him starts hitting him with everything he's got and i mean he's taking it to green goblin as best he can and green goblin is just like he's i i got nothing for him he's beating me down He's hitting me constantly. There's, like, he's just f- pure fury, and I can only take but so much. He's like, I have to get distance. I gotta get away. He's like, I've already beaten him, but I need to get away. 
And Peter, during this time, after pretty much getting separated from Goblin, ends up pretty much getting Gwen down to the bridge while Goblin is flying away. Now, if I recall, actually, it is Peter gets Gwen down to the pretty much the ground because he gets launched, him and Gwen get launched off because of Goblin. He ends up putting Gwen down on the bridge below because she's already dead. Peter, that's when Peter starts going at him. And during that, a crowd amasses and they see that Gwen is dead. And the cops are looking at him there. At first, they're, yeah, one cop's all, Spider Man did it, Spider Man did it, Spider Man did it. And the other sergeant's like, no, you, you might want to think again. I don't think this was Spider Man. And Spider Man being distraught after the battle. He tells everybody, he's like, she's already dead. There's no need for an ambulance to come because they've told him the ambulance is coming. He's like, she's already dead. And he's just mad. And the guy, and the sergeant's like, I get it. He's like, I don't think you're really to blame here. But if you're going to blame yourself for the death of her, you have to come with us. And Peter, him not wanting to accept it, just he just snaps. And he starts tossing cops out the way. He gets out of there. And he's just like, I need to find where Green Goblin is. He's like, I need to figure out where his warehouse is. I need to figure out something because I need to get revenge. He's like, that's all I want is to beat the crap out of him and get my revenge. Because at the end of the day, he's going down and he's dying. Because he's done so much damage to me. And he goes back to their townhouse. To Peter and actually he goes to Norton's townhouse first. And that's when he comes across Harry, who Harry at this point is still delusional from the drugs. And in a way, it's very interesting how they played it out. Is Peter's so angry, he doesn't feel like dealing with Harry. He knows Harry's drugged out. He's being very standoffish. He's just pissed because he doesn't care about Harry. He just wants to beat the crap out of Norman. He wants to take it to him, and he wants him dead. And Harry's pleading for help. He's like, please, please just stay with me. Talk to me. He's like, I'm, he's like, you're my friend. He's like, I'm, he's like, I have no one. I've been left alone. How do I even know you're here? How do I know I'm not still tripping on drugs? What, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And Peter Pratt just walks out, abandoning it because he's so mad at Norman that he completely forgets his friend Harry. And he becomes, in a lot of ways, in that instance, just as bad as Norman is. Norman, in a lot of ways, was supposedly supposed to be caring so much about his son, he blamed Peter and all that stuff. While Peter and Gwen and Mary, Mary Jane, were trying to really help out Harry, seek him help, while Norman was blaming them. And when Peter, after everything that's happened, Peter's so obsessed with trying to find Norman to beat him down and kill him, that he forgets that his friend Harry, in a lot of ways, is still being affected by demons. But he's like, I don't have time to deal with this. I don't have time to be your pity party. And he just walks out. He ends up going to confront Robbie Robertson because he knows he can help him find what he's looking for. He knows going to him, he can probably get some info because at least he knows the Daily Bugle. At least with Robbie would be able to help him out with getting some answers. Talks to Robbie. Robbie he asks Robbie, he's like, hey. I need some stuff done for me. He's like, I need to find where there's any other buildings Norman Osborne has. Robbie, of course, is like, all right. He's like, I don't fully believe you killed Gwen because he had a deep relationship with Sergeant Stacy or Captain, Sta Captain Stacy, Gwen's dad. 
And he, in a lot of ways, he's like, I don't want to. He he wants to see. The he want he wants to help out Peter Parker. He wants to help out Spider Man. He doesn't know it's Peter, but he wants to help out Spider Man. So of course he tells me that hey, there's a warehouse on twenty thirty nine, and Spider Man of course goes swinging over there. But before that, J. Joe Jameson's like, I knew you were working with Spider-Man, blah, blah, blah. And Spider-Man just goes, he's like, I really got no time for this. Just webs J. Joe Jameson's mouth shut and just swings out. He just, he's like, I don't have time for it. And just, parents, Green, he finds Green Goblin's hideout. Green Goblin at first thinks he's going through the front door. Then all of a sudden, Green Goblin's like, well, I'm going to go through the rear. I'm going to come through the side. But before he can even do anything, Spider-Man's already on him. Spider-Man's kicking him to the side. He's just taking it to him. He's like, I've he's like, I'm not stopping until you die. And I mean, he's beating the crap out of him. He's doing everything it takes. And just he wants revenge. Badly. And Peter's just doing whatever it takes to get that vengeance. He ends up having a lapse, a little bit of a lapse. He's like. He shouldn't die. He needs to go behind bars. He recognizes if he kills him, he's no better than Norman after what he did to Gwen. He already blames himself enough. He doesn't need any more death on his hands. He'd be no better than Norman. During that, for everybody who remembers that iconic scene from the original Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire with the glider that comes up and flies straight into the Green Goblin, that's where they pulled that scene from. The glider comes up, remote controlled, Green Goblin flies it, Spider-Man dodges it, and it just impales Green Goblin and puts him down. And Green Goblin ends up just dying. And then pretty much Peter takes it at that. Or that's how he was supposedly supposed to die in the comic book. In the original. And Peter, that's pretty much how the death of Gwen Stacy, those two issues, really went over and how monumental they really were. Now the what if of that is different. Still still that same events with, you know, Harry's dealing with Harry's drug problems. It starts off with after, you know, I talked about Uatu and Uatu talking about this alternate, you know, timeline, ultimate universe. You have where Peter's still, you know, coming you have the fight between Peter and Goblin at first. Peter hits Goblin with everything he has. And instead of doing the web shooter, he's like he's like, I can't fire the web shooter in time. He's like, I need to go and I'm just gonna jump down and I'm just going to catch her. That's my game plan. Now this story, were, like I said, like as most everyone know, was written after the fact. So it was much easier for him to go in and really just change up what had to be done. Or what they at the time thought would make sense for the writer. And the writer of that and the writer and artist, artist of this book, which I liked both actually. I thought the story was not too bad. There's definitely a couple things I would have changed, but even then, I think it worked out really well. So the art, the writer for the story was Tony Isabella, and the artist was Gil Kane, who worked on the original Death of Gwen Stacy, and Frank Giacoa. And you essentially, this came out, this was issue, I think, 31... Of, I think this is issue 31. No, issue 24 of What If. So this came out in about 79. 
or seventy nine eighty at the time, somewhere in there. And with that, it starts off the same thing like I talked about, same battle, everything like that. But instead of Peter firing the web and snaps Quinn's neck and Howard attack and everything like that, he jumps off the bridge, launches himself, catches her, and they both hit the ward. And while Peter's trying to spin a web to get them back around, the web's not quick enough. Goblin sees him and just... Peter hits the water first. He takes the impact, saving them both. He ends up reviving her because, you know, they're in the water for a bit. Gwen has water in her, water in her lungs. He ends up performing CPR, getting her back to life. And perhaps she comes back, and Peter's all excited, and Gwen's like, Gwen's shocked because she sees a Spider-Man. At first, it's still falling along with continuity. She's like, she blamed him for her dad's death. And then all of a sudden, she just realizes that maybe it's not really truly Peter's fault. And that she really does love him. And in that instance, Peter just decides, he's like, I'm just going to marry her. He asks, he asks Gwen to marry him. And Gwen asks, like, are they ever going to see Green Goblin again? And Peter Parker's like, maybe we will. He's like, he's like, maybe we'll, but I'm going to stop him today. He's like, so please stay here. He's like, we're going to get married. I'm stopping the Green Goblin once and for all. And after Cranich Green Goblin had, thinks he'd, he'd won, he had, just in case, he had gone up and essentially dropped off this I guess, if I recall, photos and evidence proving that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. So just in case, if Spider-Man had lived, that pretty much... She, well, actually, no, no, no. Be, this is before I... Peter finds where Green Goblin is, starts taking it to him. Green Goblin barely escapes because he gets both his... Pretty his gauntlets just messed up. He ends up barely escaping, dropping off this evidence that proves that Peter Parker is Spider-Man in a mailbox. This way, Spider-Man won't know how it got out there, but he got it out there. This way, he could pretty much continue what was going on. But if he did lose or was defeated, he could still win in the end. Peter goes and confronts pretty much Norman at his townhouse, and Norman sees Harry... And Norman breaks down. He goes, I, I can't be Green Goblin. I, I blamed you because of my own failures as a father. I blamed you because my son was addicted to LSD. I, I need to help him. We need to get help together. And Peter ends up walking away because of Harry. Harry convinces him. And Norman apparently makes a turn for the better. To where he will give up being Green Goblin, seek the therapy, and do the right things. So, Spider-Man being, Peter Parker being the guy that he is, he walks away. Hatton and Gwen, of course, they get their happy ever after moment. Gwen and him decide they're going to get married, since he already asked her to marry, and she said yes. And they go, well, I guess we got to go tell Aunt May. And Aunt May, of course, she could tell in Peter's face that he... That he had asked her to marry him, and that she wanted to give the good he wanted to give the good news, because she had seen Peter since he was a boy. She she knew his little tendencies about him when he was nervous. She and she waited till he could finally say it. 
Then also it cuts to, you know, sometime later. And Peter and Gwen are about to get married. You know, Peter's trying to still figure out what to do. He's about to get married. He, he wants to see Gwen because to him, Gwen's his everything. He's getting he's talking to Flash Thompson, who I think is his best man for the wedding, if I recall. And essentially he's just he's like, I have to go see Gwen. And so what he does is he ends up you know, he tells Flash, Hey, go downstairs, go talk to everybody. I'm gonna he's like, I I'll be down there. Don't worry, I'm not getting cold feet because he at first he thinks he's getting cold feet. He's really not, he's just trying to figure out what he wants. So he goes down there, sees Gwen, sees Gwen in her dress, and of course, as everybody knows, you know, if you see your fiance slash wife before the wedding, and their wedding dress, it's supposedly supposed to be bad luck. Well, Peter, of course, sees her. Peter doesn't care. She tells him that. He goes, I don't care. They kiss, and he's just excited because he crawled down the window to go see her. And then all of a sudden, she goes, she tells him to get out. He leaves because they're about to go get married. And after their marriage, pretty much solidified, Robbie Robertson has walked her down the aisle in place of Captain Stacy. And Peter's all excited. J. Jonah Jameson just busts in right after they say, I do. And he goes, Peter Parker's Spider-Man, he's the one that killed Captain Stacy. Referencing back to the death of Captain Stacy. He's throwing all stuff out there. And Peter's like, no, you're not ruining my wedding day. The cops are trying to take him. Peter's just not wanting to be arrested. Gwen's frantic. Peter's, you know, just decides, he's like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to start taking it to people. And he more or less is just forced to just have to run away. The cops at this point, they're using deadly force. They're firing at him. Gwen's crying. She's like, just try to wound him. Don't try to kill him. She's like, I don't want my husband to die. And Peter's now on the run. And it ends with... Peter on the run. He's got nowhere else to go. People know his identity. J. Jonah Jameson has ousted him. And he's Spider-Man. His Aunt May found out that he's Spider-Man. She, had a fa she fainted. He's, his life is ruined. And that's actually how the what-if story ended. And it's crazy when you think about that. There's There was really going to be no happy ending regardless. Like, it ended... In a lot of ways, I wouldn't say as bad as the original death of Gwen Stacy, but in certain ways, it just kind of quantified that Peter and Gwen, in all intents and purposes, they were never really meant to be, and this is just an example of it, to truly be together. Now, I know in other continuities you had where Spider-Gwen, where Peter Parker became the lizard, you had where Ultimate Universe, where Gwen and Spider-Man really were together, and they've, they've done it, more or less. But it at that time before the newer stuff had gone on, being an old you know old comic canon and everything like that, they really stuck with the fact that there was no way Peter should be happy with Gwen. That neither of them really can be happy no matter what. Even though in a lot of ways Gwen Stacy was the one for Peter, even though some people argue Mary Jane really is, which I mean that's neither here nor there depending upon how you want to go about it. But to me, I thought that the reason why I wanted to cover those two stories in one is just the impact of just how much that story truly meant to Spider-Man's evolution and growth as a character as well as growth in literature for comic books. 
as well as what would have happened if, what if she did live? Just an example of what would have happened if she did live. And, I mean, do I think it's a perfect story for what if? Not really. But in a lot of these what if stories, they're not really meant to have happy endings. And I think that's kind of where I think that makes the most sense because it's supposed to just take place with events that if this had changed, this incident just to change, what would have happened? And to me, I think it worked out well. So, honestly, I would still say real... If you are a fan of Spider-Man, if you're looking for good stories, I would definitely say reread some of the old Spider-Man books. Particularly, you can read from volumes 3 to to volume 13, which involves the death of Gwen Stacy and also introduces the Punisher and all that. And you could really kind of get behind a lot of the old classic Spider-Man stories. Or if you're like, hey, I'm just looking for, you know, just stories are classic but I want something different. <sighs> Sorry, I can also suggest you know reading the Ultimate Spider-Man. Those are always good because it's more of a modern interpretation. But definitely, if you are somebody who's just looking for different stories, something that really is in a lot of ways you know changing of times, then definitely I would say Spider-Man Volume Thirteen Marvel Masterworks is a good one to go with. It really does set the tone for a lot of future comics. And it sets the tone for really Spider-Man in general, for just where he's going to go. And particularly with a lot of the what-if stories, they do something similar. And that's why I chose this one, because to me, it really did stick heavily with the continuity. It could really easily show you how that story could have changed. And that's what I kind of liked about it. It's not the most well-written. The artwork's so good. Gil Kane does a great job. But at the end of the day, I think that it's one that simplifies that. And with old continuity that, in all intents and purposes, people don't ever want to see Peter Parker happy. They want to see him sad as the underdog. And they want to see him have to rise up. And that's kind of always how his characters has to be. In all its purposes, no matter how you read them, that's always how that's always how he is. And it's unfortunate. But during that time, it really when these issues were coming out, it really showed the difference in how dark could you really make a Spider-Man story? And how topical could it be? So, with that being said, I figured I'm gonna close this one out. So uh yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the two-in-one. Because with that, uh, what if Gwen Stacy had lived? There was really just kind of like an extra origin for the Eternals. Which I don't think that many people were enthusiastic for me to kind of go over. So I figured I would do the actual death of Gwen Stacy. And then what if Gwen Stacy lived? I figured double feature for you guys. So that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, have a great day. Later.